Hello and welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. In today's episode, we review the surprisingly dry race that was the French Grand Prix. I'm your host, Matt Polanski. You can follow me on all social media at MattPolanski1 and Twitch at GameStopper0734. I'm joined, as always, by the creator of the Red Sector, Josh Wilson, who you can follow on Twitter at Red Sector Josh. We're giving Bunno the night off because he finished up university and is getting ready for Magello. Uh, but you can follow him on Twitter at BonoGP underscore and Instagram at BonoGP. So, Josh, how you doing tonight? Yeah, really good, thanks. Um, just got a bit of World Rally Championship on while I'm doing this podcast, which is decent. I didn't even know BT Sport had WRC, so that's pretty cool. Um, but kind of sidelining on from that, you, there's news or a bit of news at the fact that BT Sport have done a deal with Paramount. So all those lucky UK listeners, it looks like we're going to get um, British Superbike, uh, W World Endurance Championship, and World Superbike under one roof. So, you know, go UK. Yeah, it's good to be, it's good to be British for a change. Yeah, um, must be nice. Yeah, it is nice. But yeah, I'm I'm doing okay. It was a, it was a good, all around good weekend for for MotoGP. Um, sell mm-hmm. out crowd, absolutely incredible to see the amount of support that was at was at Le Mans. Um. Good to see a dry race finally. Although I can't help but but part of me kind of wanted a a wet race and a bit of a flag to flag drama. But no, we got a good race anyway, which is always good. Um, so yeah, now we've got a little off week. <clears throat> Some more uh, news to talk about on the silly season front. We're waiting for that to kick off, and we'll um, yep. I will get into who we think will probably pull the trigger on that because there's always a there's always one. There's always the first domino to fall. So once once the first one goes, they all start going. So it'll be interesting to talk about that. So we'll get into it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who the uh, Kimi Raikkonen is of this year for MotoGP. Because yeah, yeah. uh, anyone who watched F1 last year and remembers that you know, Kimi Raikkonen announcing his retirement was a, like a floodgate for all the other seat transfers that season. The funny thing with that is I think he decided he was retiring before the season had even started. Well, did so, you see the prediction thing yeah, that F1 was, put out? Yeah, that's yeah. what I saw. Kimmy, for those of you who didn't see uh, Raikkonen's prediction for this, they asked him a series of questions, like who would win the uh, Drivers' Championship, stuff like that. Um, but one of Raikkonen's predictions was that his favorite race would be the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix because it would be his last race in F1. So he knew... Going into the season, this was that that was it, and uh, but yeah. So, getting on to the news, like we start every episode, uh, biggest piece of news come out of this week is that Anaya Bastianini has re-signed a contract with Ducati. Now, that is not a Grassini contract; that is a Ducati contract, which means that for I believe it's two years, the next two years, uh, Anaya Bastianini will be on a Ducati, which Ducati is still yet to be seen. Um, you know, there's talks of Ducati said that they will be making a final decision about Jack Miller's seat after, I believe, after Mugello. But that's the rumor that's coming out. Um, nothing set in stone yet. But Josh, who do you think? How do you think this is going to go? Um, you know, everyone's putting it up between Martin and Bashanini. Everyone sort of just seems like. Miller's on his way out. So how do you think this will play out? It's looking that way. Um, obviously, what I, what kind of 
I've seen from all of this is if Miller is is looking at talks with LCR and KTM, it's looking like he's not going to be dropping down to, to Pramac. And if he's not <laughs> dropping down to Pramac, it's most likely is because no one's moving out of Pramac, which means that it, by the looks of it, it's going to be Bastianini taking the seat and not Martin, which on current form of this season makes total sense. Um, right. Of course, Miller's agent is... Is it... Akiyo. Akiyo. Which is why he's say, linked... Yeah. Which is why he's linked more to KTM than he is to mm. LCR. And to be fair, I think if you are Miller, you probably want... You do want another factory ride. There's... There isn't really much reason to be going to LCR Honda because it's a satellite bike, it's a satellite team. Right. Um it's it's a kind of usually feeder, a feeder bike to the Repsol Honda team. So really the KTM looks like the better option. Really. Because yeah, then I'll... you get a factory bike and you you're gonna have chances of winning. You know, yeah. you're gonna be that also that also throws in the monkey wrench of well, where does Miguel go? Because Binder has a contract to 2024, which if mm-hmm. Miller comes in, that puts Oliveira out. Does he go back to Tech 3? He was there before. It was a team he won with twice. Does he go back there to a team he knows? And, you know, do, does he do that or does he go elsewhere? Uh, Remy Gardner came out uh, this past week and said that if KTM wasn't interested in retaining him, that he would look to go to World Superbike. Is that another op? Is that an option for Oliveira? It's um, it's a tough one, really, because mm-hmm. for next season we're going to have two less seats on the grid, right? So that's just throwing everything. This has probably gone into overdrive drive a little bit now because suddenly, with a bombshell that Suzuki was leaving, now you've got two talented riders available. So everyone else is literally going to be, if they were taking the time and, and taking it slow to try and make a decision, a lot of people now are going to be quite, on the drivers and the agent sides, are going to be rushing to maybe get deals secured because now they know that, that, that you've got Mir and Rin's free agents. Um, right. I don't know. It's it's There's so many moving parts to it. Um, again, I could see Fernandez going um, and maybe Oliveira slotting in there. But then, of course, with Fernandez... Uh, you know, would he go to Yamaha? But then there's rumours that um, RNF could switch to Aprilia. So then does that ruin Fernandez's chances? And then right. you've, because you've only got two Yamaha seats left, and unless Yamaha think no, we'll stick Fernandez in the other one, uh, and Rin go, Rins goes to Aprilia and Mia goes to Honda, you've got there you are. There, there's a couple of options. So I don't know. It's mm-hmm. all up in the air. It's so difficult to decide because we've lost two two seats on the grid. Um, you've got rumours of manufacturers changing to different or teams changing to different manufacturers, mm-hmm. which of course throws everything. But then you've got VR forty six, which which there was rumours about that they could switch to Yamaha. Right. So then that leaves the door open again for Fernandez, maybe, but then it's VR46, so it's going to be Rossi Academy riders on that. But, yep. then, but then Yamaha might be just happy with having one team in this current climate with, you know, hyperinflation coming and, you know, mm-hmm. global shortages of everything and looking like we could be heading into another global recession, possibly. It might be worth just having a one, a one team manufacturer because you're right. not having to then supply a second team with four 
for bikes, essentially. So, um, it's yeah. I I, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. I I dare say that half the teams don't know what's going to happen either. So <laughs> it is honestly up in the air. It could go either way. It could go anywhere. Um, yeah. So it, it's an interesting one. But <clears throat> back to the base question. I think Bastianini is is looking on course to to be the the um factory ducati rider because it's recency bias and bias and it's kind of you're only as good as your last race or you're only right. as good as your last season really so yeah and you figure he's an italian in an italian manufacturer like if they could for next season have bagnaia and bastianini on ducatis that would be like a ducati wet dream right there uh-huh like, i think uh... they it's they would happen. for that PR. They would go ape shit for that. Yeah, but uh, on the part of uh, the Suzuki seats, I wanted to bring up this question: Do you think? And uh, I asked Bono this the other day. Do you think it would be easier for somebody like Aspar Gasgas to move up, being that Gasgas would classify as its own manufacturer? but use KTM's resources. Possibly. That could that could be a loophole to circumvent the the fact that, that them those two seats are withheld for a manufacturer rather than a satellite team. Right. So that could circumvent that maybe. That that could be a loophole. But I don't think it'd be next season. It'd be the season after. I think this is probably too short notice. Because mm-hmm. I think if on another podcast they mentioned that Yamaha need to know by June, for example. Yamaha need to know by June what the the manufacturers, the satellites are going to be next season, so they can start right. laying the groundwork for producing all the parts that they need for it. So mm-hmm. I mean, that would mean you've got I don't know when in June, but you might have you know four or five weeks max to sort right. things out for next season. And this is and Gas Gas would be a team which isn't in MotoGP or, you know, they've got, they've probably got the funds or maybe the the resources too, but I don't think, I don't think next season we'd see them grid slots replaced. I think it probably would be the season after, but it probably would work because I can't see, I don't think Kawasaki are going to jump in, BMW aren't, no No one's going to jump in. There's no new manufacturer they're going to jump into that, unless it would be a loophole where Gascas could come in as a independent manufacturer, I guess. Well, the other scenario I thought of would be if a company like Red or Rockstar Husqvarna, because they have yeah. MXGP, they have a Superbike team, no, Superbike, Supercross team, a pro motocross team. For the most part, they're mostly, you know, off-road bikes, but, you know, with Husqvarna being in Moto3, there's and rocks the money that Rockstar could uh, you know give like a Red Bull or a Monster. I think they could have the funds to come in, but there's no established like Rockstar Husqvarna where there is there is an Aspar Gas Gas team that could just move up as opposed to Rock Rockstar Husqvarna having to come in to MotoGP. But it would yeah, still be the same situation where. You have a manufacturer who is basically a rebranded KTM coming in. But wouldn't that... It's a rebranded KTM, but what 
would it be a fine line between it being a satellite team and a KTM team? That's the thing. Right. And that's like... Is it, would it be using KTM engines? We need because to, like, it, uh, get... Surely a separate... To, to fill them Suzuki slots, it would be a, a team that is producing its own engines, surely. Right. So it would be as known as, like, gas gas engines rather than KTM engines. I don't really know how... Yeah. The loopholes. Yeah. Are, you don't know how watertight that kind of rule is, really. Mm -hmm. it, it could have a few loopholes where they could be like, yeah, we could do that, but we'll see. It's up to Dawn, isn't it? It's up to MotoGP. They might be like, you know what? No, we're not. they're not being replaced by anyone. Right. Um, unless, unless that rule changes with the satellite teams where they can kind of um, stump up some extra money you know, to, to appease the other satellite teams. Mm -hmm. Because if you want another satellite team on the grid... You'd have to divide, then add another division into the to the money pot pot of money, uh, unless there was extra funds added to that. But yeah, it's interesting times. Um, yeah, obviously everyone's being blindsided by it, so I think everyone's kind of as much in the dark as we are mm -hmm. about it all. But I I would put money on the fact that there isn't going to be a replacement next season for the Suzuki seats. Maybe twenty twenty four. 2024, right. we could see a replacement if there's something worked out in the small print. But yeah, yeah. So uh, we're gonna, that'll do it for the news. We're going to get on to the racing. Um, we're going to start with Moto E. We're just going to blitz over these. Um, Josh doesn't watch Moto E, uh, so uh, do you even know the podium for the two races? I don't. Yeah, I'm. I'll, I'll lead a busy life. I think. <laughs> Three's enough for me. If I included Moto E at the moment, definitely not. Ah, uh, you're good. I got to pull up. Give him engines, and I might watch it. <laughs> See, I and I showed because what was it? I think it was qualifying or something or a practice for Moto E. I showed the one guy I work with who's an F1 fan. He's like, he said that the Moto E bikes sound better than the Formula E cars. Yeah, they probably do. It's it's not hard to sound worse than those, but. I think if I was at an event, if say when I was at Portugal, if Moto E was there, mm -hmm. I would have watched it. But, right. But it because I'm paying to be there and the experience, but they weren't there, so I wasn't and you know right. because because I don't know, they're just not like on BT Sport, once like Moto three, Moto Two, Moto GP's kinda of done, it's like relegated. They do another channel right. it's relegated. I, I don't even know if they actually show it on BT Sport, to be honest. They probably do, <laughs> but I've not looked out for it. Yeah, it was like Bono said uh, after Jerez last week, uh, last race. You know, if he's go, if you're going to an event like this, you want to watch all of the racing. Mm, yeah. like you're spending money. You're going to this event. Why would you like? Oh, MotoGP's done. I'm out. See ya. Like, it's a free. Hey, you you get another yeah, free yeah. race. Yeah. Um. So for race one, we had a podium of Cassidy. Agatar and Akoba. Uh, this that race was kind of like it sort of spread out um, as it went on. For race two, we had a podium of Agatar. Cassidy and Canapa. This race, the uh, battle, the second race was a battle between Agatar and Cassidy. Um, they were only like half a second apart from each other at the end. Um, 
And it was the first race for Moto E where not a single person crashed. So um, race one, there was a real nasty crash. Uh, lap one coming out. And I hate Lamar for this. And I'm just going to say this now because it'll keep coming up throughout the, ep- throughout the episode. Uh, the turns on that Lamar front straight infuriate me. Turn one is barely a turn. Mm. Turn two, like if you, unless you look at the map, doesn't look like a turn. So that like left right chicane where everybody always crashes is actually like turns three and four, but it looks like it'd be turn like two and three. Mm. But as as they were coming out of turn four, um, Jordy Torres fell over. Um, It looked like he got clipped by a bike behind him too. And they didn't go to like, they didn't show him. They just showed when they came around for lap two, there were still yellow flags there. It was like one of those boring things. He ended up going to the metal medical facility. I think he's okay. Um, I forget exactly what the uh, outcome was, but you know, wish Jordy Torres the best of luck and, you know, get well soon. Um, the championship for Moto E is now, uh, Dominic Agatar on 78 points. Eric Granado, who won both Jerez races on 70 points, and Matea Cassidy on 61, and then it drops from there. So uh, that'll do it for the Moto E talk for this episode. In Moto 3, we had a podium of Jeremy Massier, Ayuma Sasaki, and Izan Guevara. And this race was pretty wild, especially those last few laps, because you had just typical moto e where it was just a constant back and forth of riders switching position this race came down to the last corner where i think it was sasaki was in the lead coming into uh the last i forget what it is like turn 13 and 14 that like squared off section right before the start finish line and sasaki was in the lead and he just left the door open and Masiev came right up underneath of him and then Guevara did the same thing on foggia for third place but what were your thoughts on this race yeah i really enjoyed it it's uh, probably my favorite race of the of the season so far for moto three um really good um again typical moto three battle where it, it kind of you ended up with kind of groups of riders and there was exchanges back and forth but it was really good because the hondas seem to have the speed on the straights but um the other manufacturers the other bikes kind of had it in the corners it was it was just enjoyable and then you had that kind of um the top five who kind of are the top five that finished um in the top five were, were battling for the lead um and of course uh always changing hands and uh you know sasaki to come through um where did he start again i'm pretty, pretty sure he started like 13 for something like that did he 11th actually he started 11th i i was watching him all the way through um, because he's kind of the one I keep my I try and keep an eye on. But I was watching him and he was cutting his way through. But the corner where he made the the nearly race winning move, the final left hander before the two right handers, mm-hmm. you could see the whole race he was taking like a tighter line into it to compared to everyone else. Right. Um you saw everyone else take them take the more traditional racing line, but he was a lot tighter in. Um and like kind of committing to it earlier than everyone else, 
and I kind of noticed that, and I thought, oh, that's quite interesting. But then when he was battling um, Messiah for the win, coming up to that corner, I did actually think, I thought, he's going he's gonna to do him on that corner because of, of the way he's been taking the line. And it, because he had the tighter line and was, was committing early to it, yeah, obviously he did Massier on that corner, and I thought, oh, get in, well in. What a what a ride from Sasaki. And then that penul- penultimate corner, the right-hander, he just he left the door wide open. I don't know if he just thought he'd, he'd made the move, he'd done it, that was it. Or if he, I don't know, he just thought he didn't need to lead, you know, didn't need to defend into that corner. But he was so he was so wide going into into that penultimate corner that Massey just took him down the inside, and then that was it. So it was quite disappointing, and you could tell he was really annoyed with himself for that. Really frustrating because he's still waiting for his first win. Yeah, um, and of course, arguably, he should have got it in Qatar, and he didn't, and he should have got it this race, and he didn't because. It was two silly, two silly mistakes have cost him a win, basically, um, and that's it's a very frustrating, very annoying. But at the same time, he, he did really well, and then you add, you know, again, Fodger, Fodger sticking around there to uh, stay in the lead. I think the championship standings. Um, is he champ? Is he is he in the lead? Now? Uh, oh no, Garcia. No. Garcia. Yeah, Sergio Garcia is still in the lead with one hundred and twelve. And then you've got Masia and Foggia tied at 95. So Okay, yeah. Uh, but to kind of keep in touch with it, he was looking quite strong, Foggia. Um, obviously, you know, he qualified well, um, qualified pole. So probably disappointing to finish fourth from his point of view. But, you know, he's, he's got a good points haul in. Um, just missed out on a podium. I think you mentioned Guevara passed him. Passed him for the podium at the end there, um, so quite unlucky. But yeah, I think it was a, another exciting race. Um, championship keeps alive. Garcia didn't have the best race, um, but again, he's still championship leader, so it's not it's not all bad. I don't think um, it's not it's not a total loss. He's still got a few points in there, and then of course, Denis Onshu um, after that. Nasty accident that he had. I think he uh, he did quite well to finish mm-hmm. where he did because I, I I didn't think he'd actually start this race when that when I first saw that crash because it was quite a big one. It was quite tough. So um, fair play to him. Yeah, and the that crash was something else I wanted to bring up. This race at well, was red flagged at one point. Um, and it, it was very similar to the Moto2 wreck, red flag wreck uh, that happened at Portimao, where it started raining early, and you could see the raindrops on the camera, the comment. Get like half the lap or something, or maybe red flag in Portimao was a little better because of how many people crashed. They were like, red flag, red flag. 
This one, it was like four riders went down there like, oh, yeah. We should probably throw out the red flag. Yeah. Moto two. You have to have your hand over. For that yeah, like, it, it was weird because obviously. You add, you add I can't, and I can't find the like um, information about who crashed because if you go yeah, on yeah. MotoGP's website, all Nothing. the race analysis, it's all about the race after the red flag. Yeah, because I've just covered it up because I knew the yeah. messed up there. It's yeah, it's not well, on really. It's 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 ridiculous. I, I well, it, the fact it took all, so long. Mm-hmm. What were they waiting for? Yeah. I mean, the only good thing that came out of it was that all of the riders who went down were able to restart the race. So you didn't have that Moto2 Portimao mm-hmm. incident where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, half the grid's not here anymore. Though those riders who went down were able to remount their bikes and go yeah. again. But, like, they got to do... Um, race direction has to do better on this. They have to be on top of it and ready for... Like I said, if there is the slightest chance of rain, if there's it, it's not even like you have to go off a forecast where it's like, oh, well, there's like a a 60 percent chance of rain. No, if you can clearly see raindrops on cameras around the track and you hear Matt Burt and Lewis Sudeby talking about, oh, there's raindrops, you got to be like, we got to be ready to deploy the red flag because the as soon as a bike goes down, you will let them go. Until a crash, but even that, like, as I was saying it in my head, I'm like, that doesn't even sound right, because now you're being reactive as opposed to proactive. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I think, in a way, it, it, it's difficult because there's a fine line, in the If a few raindrops start and it's like, oh, we'll red flag it, the people will be kicking off and complaining about the fact you've red flagged yeah. the race with a few raindrops. So it's difficult. It, it's one of them where to red flag it, at least one person's going to have to fall, or a couple, a few are going to have to fall, unfortunately, because that's when you know, right, the conditions aren't, aren't safe anymore mm-hmm. to race on. But right. it seems this t- for this, they had one group fall, and they didn't red flag it. Yeah. Like straight it away, like... did they? It was oh. just like, well, 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 they've not all, it's obvious they didn't all just make the same mistake. They've right. all fallen off because of the rain. So at that point, you'd think, well, yeah, we best red flag this. I don't, I don't know what they were waiting for. What it was suddenly going to dry up or something? I'm, I don't, I'm, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's so inconsistent. I think that, I think it's the whole, um, you know, expect the unexpected with the stewards. Yeah, I think because you just don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh... Who do you have for Rider of the Day in Moto3? Um, now, naturally, Sasaki is up there, definitely. Mm-hmm. But he's an honourable mention. I think he has, he was 
Ah, uh, yeah, he did really well, but for me, pro- I'll probably give it to John McPhee. I didn't mention him, but you know, his first race back. Um, yep, finishing thirteenth, pretty solid result to be fair. Because his, uh, his when was his last race? He finished twelfth, and his last race would have been. Oh yeah, twelfth. Ma- Mandalika. Ma- yeah. I think Mandalika. Yeah. So a while ago, so he's finished twelfth. Yeah. Um, in his first race back, and where did he start on the grid? He started all the way down in well sixteenth. So he started 16, finished 12. Yeah, solid results. So I'd, um, I'll give it to John McPhee, definitely. Yeah, I'm going to... See, I want to take... I want to take Bono's Thunder and go with Tatai. But at this point, Tatai is like... Okay, we know even he's he's on the CF Moto and... It's a new bike and all that. But no, he's proving himself like he is here everywhere. I'm going to give it to Sasaki. You know, 11th to second. Yeah, made up all those spots. He almost had the race win. Just got, you know, clipped at the last corner. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to go with Sasaki. Uh, We wanted to uh, give an update on Watley. Watley finished 26. Ogden crashed out after three laps. Um. So not the best weekend for the boys, but yeah, it is what it is. We'll get him next time. Mm, yes, got to be frustrated with that one for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I think his aim was to beat to beat um, John McPhee in this race, and he, I don't know. I, I have I'm after to see if he could have done it, but um, yeah, next time. Yeah. So uh, moving on to Moto2, we have a podium of Augusto Fernandez, Ericanet, and Somcat Chantra. The big talking point of this one, I feel, is the big name that fell down with Pedro Acosta. So Acosta gets his first pull of the Moto2. Starts off amazing. Like, when they pulled away from the start-finish line, it looked like Acosta might have even jumped the start because of the gap he built up going into the first couple corners. And nothing get you know, he didn't. He just got that great of a start. And Pedro Acosta did Pedro Acosta things and started pulling a gap. The only person who could stay with him was Augusto Fernandez. So it was like, it was starting to be like, okay, Akiyo, you know, KTM starting to come back into this. And then, how many laps did he make? He made 10 laps. So on lap 10, no, lap 11, it would have been coming out of what is that? Turn five. I think it is. He just, the front tire washed out from under him. And yeah, I couldn't believe when I saw that. It was so good. I, I shouted at my TV when this happened because when, I've been wanting the kid to start doing good. You know, he Moto three champion didn't have a great start to the season. You're like, okay, you know, learning curve to the Moto two bike, you know, and this was like, okay, I think he's finally starting to understand the bike. And then whenever they showed the Red Bull, you know, bike in the gravel pit, I, my first thought was 
and as bad as this album, my first thought was, please be Fernandez. And they went, it's Pedro Costa. And I just turned and screamed at my TV. But I think, you know, hindsight's 2020. He could have won this race. If he would have, but he, he just pushed too hard. Uh, but I feel like he had this race in the bag if he just didn't push that as hard as he did. Yeah, I think his almost enemy was himself on that one. Again, mm-hmm. leading a race um, for the first time after having a quite a difficult start to his debut Motor 2 season um, to then qualify on pole and then, you know, command the race at the beginning. It was probably, he probably started overthinking and he probably wanted to build quite a big gap to um Fernandez behind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just for just for that little buffer. So either if he did make a mistake or run through the gravel trap, he'd he'd have a bit of a lead still, or if he, you know, if he wanted to ease off he could. Um right. but he's obviously just overthought and pushed a bit too hard in one of the corners and that's been that. But I mean he's seventeen years old, so bloody hell, he's he's got years. He's got so much time on his side to learn to to take it, you know what I mean. To he can take his time. He doesn't. It'll come eventually. He's got his first pole position. That's that's a, that box ticked. You know his first win's gonna come soon. I dare say it's this season. But if not this season, then it's not the end of the world because he's got loads of time on his side. And let's face it, I don't think, I don't think they're in any rush to fill any any slots in in MotoGP. So. You know, he's got time on his side with that as well. Right. Um, somebody else you kind of feel for in this race, uh, Thurman Heldegger. Oh, yeah, yeah, go, yeah, yeah. Goes down again. Like, this kid can't catch a break, it seems like. You know, he he comes into Moto2, young kid. Is What, didn't he get pole in Argentina? And then gets taken out in the race. You know, it's just like there's all this promise there and it's just like one thing or another he can't you know he can't finish on it. The buff, was it him and Abelino, the buff fell at the same time, didn't they? Yeah. But I don't think there was any contact. No. I think Aldegar went and then straight afterwards Abelino probably had a bit of tunnel vision and then went himself, which is a yeah, annoying, um, especially for Aldegar, because again we he's shown a lot of promise. Um and yeah, you just can't catch a break. It seems that you sometimes you have a bad run of form and it's in a one it's like in a in a bunch. So hope this'll this'll be it and from the next race we'll we'll start to see what we were seeing before all this kind of bad luck. So but if you want to talk about Bad's runs of form, then obviously you've got to talk about Jake Dixon. Oh, um, God. Yeah. Yeah, Jake Another... Dixon goes down again, is able to remount the bike, but he finished dead last. Yeah, I mean, he still he got in a race, a full race pretty much, so that's always good data, and it's good for rider fitness and things like that, so that's that's a positive, and I think, like he said, there was a lot of positives to take from this weekend, but it's obviously... It just means it's more frustrating when you know you could have had a decent result and you mm-hmm. you don't. I think it's it's frustrating if you're nowhere to be seen. If if 
the whole weekend qualifying a race or something, you you just lack him. You, you lag in. Um, it's frustrating, but at the same time, you think, well, it's not like I've I've squandered any chances of something great because we've just not had the pace. Whereas it's been the other way around. You know, Jake's there was opportunities there for the taking, um, mm-hmm. and it's the same as Portimao. There was opportunities there for the taking too. You know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. If if Jake could have won in Portimao, um, Andy could have arguably he could have won here, and that would have done wonders for his his championship. But you know, that's kind of racing, and that's just sometimes how it how it plays out. So yeah, it was a shame for for people like Aldeguer and Dixon who were just going through a bit a bit bad run of form at the minute, right. Um, looking at the other uh, U.S. and there, well, no, Lowe's wasn't there this weekend. He's still recovering from an injury. Yeah, yeah. So right. Looking at the U.S. boys, you got Sean Dillon, Sean Dylan Kelly finishing in twentieth, just above Dixon. Uh, Joe Roberts finishes in seventh. Cameron Bobier finishes fourth, just off the podium, and. When Chantra passed him, because they only finished like a tenth off of each other, and yeah. you could just see Chantra coming for so many laps, and it was just like, like I, but yo, hands on top of my head, I'm like, Bobia, just please, just hold on a couple more seconds. Like, were you, just, were you ready to stand up with your, your hand over your chest? Were you ready for that moment? Oh, well, I was hoping he'd be on the podium at least. Yeah, I was. I was just excited, like he's in third place. I'm like, yeah, you got a podium. And then it was like Chancer's coming. I'm like, stop it, like, you know, you know I'm just like telling Tanner, like, please just stop, just let Moby have this one, let him get on the podium finally. And no, Chancer, yeah, snipped it away. I think he caught him in like, a, there was like five laps left or something like that. It was like five or four. Only, yeah, well, there's only there was only a tenth in it between Chancer yeah. and Cambovia, so it was it was the nip and tuck down to the wire. So. Yeah, unfortunate because he's been performing really well, Cambovia, and he deserves a podium. Mm-hmm. He really does, and it'll be a shame if he doesn't get one this season. But I'm, I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure it's coming. He passed him on lap twenty four. There was twenty five laps in the race. <laughs> God. So, yeah, but you know, you look at like how um, Bobia did in Portimao was leading the race at certain points. Was just was in second place before that big crash happened. You know, I, I'm I'm hoping he gets a race win this season. I'm not saying for sure it'll happen. I think this year, you know, with the experience of last year, he's just gotten better this year. You know, last year it was a lot of like him learning tracks he'd never been to. You know, trying to get comfortable, kind of like Dylan Kelly is doing this year, and. You know, almost every race, if they didn't crash, Rob or uh, Bobier's finished above Roberts in every race as long as they both finished. An excuse for so, the US anthem, isn't it? Basically, yeah, on the top step, an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, who's your rider of the day for Moto Two? Ah, uh, I'm gonna give it again, and I think I think this is gonna be the third or fourth time. I've given it to him. I'm going to give it to Schroeder. Okay. So, uh, 
I keep giving it to him, and then he keeps doing well. So I don't know what's going on with Marcel Schroeder, but he's he started. He's kind of come alive since America. He's finished fourth in America, fourth in Portugal, fifth in Jerez, and and um, sixth in France. So he's stringing a few good results together. Um, so yeah, Marcel Marcel Schroeder. Uh, if I keep giving him round of the day, he might he might keep putting in good results, and we could see him up there. By the end of the season, yep. who knows? Yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go Cameron Bobier. Thought you were. I, I, it was, it was between Bobier and Canet, and it's just like at this point this season, Canet finishing in the close to the podium, if not on the podium, is a given. I'm still waiting for. Canet's win. I it, I think it'll come this season. I I'm really pulling for him this season. To, I I want to know what the hell is with the bow tie, you know, so, uh, just all the stuff. Um, but I yeah, I got to go with Bobia. He did really well. You know, just got clipped at the end. You know, two laps to go. Yeah, was almost on a podium. So yeah, that's my pick. Um, real quick on Canet while we're still in Moto Two, there was I forget what podcast I was listening to. Um. I think it was a Greg's Garage podcast. Um, they were saying that there's talks of Kinet to to a Ducati seat because really? of, well, and the whole thing of it is he's not likely to go to a Japanese manufacturer because they are very strict about tattoos. Oh, okay, okay, and like any sense. any rider who goes to a Japanese manufacturer if they have visible tattoos on their arms or anything, they make them cover them up. And you figure Kinnett's got a f- like full chest neck tattoo. So if there was a manufacturer he could go to, it would be Ducati, KTM, or Aprilia. And Ducati has hmm. the most seats. Ducati so, Although for me, personally, if if Aprilia do, if RNF do get Aprilia, you could definitely see him, see Kinet taking one of those satellite Aprilia seats. Maybe if RNF, if RNF does switch, if the rumors are, are true. So, um, yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I just uh, like I said, they brought that up on the Greg's Garage podcast. I thought it was very interesting. Like that was something I hadn't even thought about. Like because with the whole rider market thing. It's so up in the air, like, you can't even look at Moto2 for, like, who's going to come up from Moto2 to MotoGP. Because it's so, with with the Suzuki thing, it's so thrown, like, thrown to the wind. Well, yeah, no one's really dominating in Moto2 either. No, no I mean, you look like, at... It's not like last season where you had basically Fernandez and, and Gardner Remy. duking it out. That right. This, it, this is open, and... yeah. I the mean, you look at the... Canna, the only thing about mm-hmm. Canna is the fact you've got Vietti. Yeah. And if you look at the championship, Vietti's in first place on 108. Agura's in second with 92. He's to LCR. We all know that. And then Aaron Canet is in third place on 89 points. So, like, if there was anyone, but 
like you look at those top three and you're like, yes, those top three could make the move to MotoGP. Mm. Iger is probably taking Nakagami's seat. That's given, I think, yeah. I think if, Vietti, if Vietti was to move up, he's going to VR46. He is, but it's, I don't know. You see, are they going to give up on Marini? I don't think well, they will. My thought was if Bastianini moves to Ducati, that opens a Grassini seat. Mm. And if you look, like the way people are talking about the Ducati hierarchy, it's Ducati, Pramac, Grassini, uh, yeah, and then VR46. Like VR forty six is the like the last Ducati yeah. team, so could Bedzeki move to Grassini, opening up a seat for Vietti to come into VR forty six? Yeah, that could that could work. It would make sense because Vietti is the whole VR forty six team mm-hmm. anyway, so that would make sense. But then, of course, what if you throw the spanner in the works of VR forty six choosing Yamahas? Would that make a difference? Would that change anything? It's, I, I don't think it, it would make uh, a difference as much as bringing Vietti in. Yeah, but where does Tanit slot in then? Right. That's what I mean. If, if Vietti does go up to VR46, which does look like the, the likely option, if especially if Bezeki moves to Cusini Racing, um, that does look likely. Um, but it just leaves Tanit a bit adrift. Right. Unless, unless a Unless Aprilia gets two more bikes on the grid. Oh, I say two more, but yeah, two more bikes on the grid that are Aprilia. Right. Which then they might think, yeah, we'll we'll ban Canada on one of these. And then we've got a, a spare seat for um I don't know. I don't know who else who else would go to it. Um but it'd be interesting. Yeah, it's just every time you bring up the fuck the rider market, it just there's so many possibilities and so like you can't even like i said you can't even look at moto 2 because it's like well where's everyone in moto gp gonna be are people leaving are they gonna bring well, people in yeah i mean I, it's like mu- musical chairs but we've lost two chairs yeah so two and, people in moto gp are gonna be gone like for me dobby's one of them and darren oh Vinny's yeah the other one them them are right. the two obvious ones but then at the same time you've got Oliveira, will he stay Right, he might be gone after this season. Um, yeah, it's uh, Alex Marquez. What's going to happen with him? Is he is he well, going to and... stay, or are they going to? Re- I, honestly, is we're going to be looking at quite a considerable different lineup next season on the grid. Yeah, I I think the only name being thrown around from outside the MotoGP paddock, like the MotoGP sphere, you could look, you could even consider is Top Rack. Well, yeah, so that so Toprak could go to factory Yamaha, so that slots him in there. Rins could probably go to now. Rins has been talking to KTM apparently, but I'm thinking Rins could end up at Prilia, so that slots mm-hmm. him in there. Mia could end up at Honda, but then there's also talk that he might go to Prilia as well. So right, it's uh... well, and the problem with the Toprak thing is Toprak. Because they've got Morbidelli, Yamaha has Morbidelli signed, and they're yep. gonna they're gonna open up the checkbook for Fabio. Yeah, but Top Rack is signed with Yamaha, but has a Red Bull sponsorship. Oh yeah, Red yeah. Bull pays a lot of money to their athletes, and that is not a, a 
sponsorship that Top Rack's going to give up easily. But being that Yamaha is monster, would he go there? Or would he be Uh, more willing to give up his Yamaha sponsorship, or like his Yamaha contract, to go to a KTM and be part, like stay with Red Bull? So I think we need to get off of this because we could go probably for another hour. All of the possibilities. It's really, it's like a a million different combinations. So Uh it's horrendous. Yeah, so moving on to MotoGP, we have a podium of Anea Bastianini, Jack Miller, and Alacious Bargaro. I feel like we have to start with the you know what happened with Pecco. Because mm-hmm. Pecco the race starts, Miller gets out, Pecco passes him. And for the longest time it's Pecco, Miller, and then Bastianini's making his way up through. Gets past Miller. Gets past Bash or uh, Benyaya. And it seemed like after Bastianini passed Benyaya that Pecco was just trying to push too hard. He had that incident right around the long lap penalty loop where he ran wide. And then coming into the last corner of those two right-handers just loses the back end, or loses the front end. And the commentators were even making comments about how he was making these subtle little mix-ups. Like, there was one point where he was pulling away from Miller, and then had a screw-up, and Miller caught him, and then he started pulling back away from Miller. But it just seemed like Benyaya was pushing way too hard, and was like determined to get past Bastianini. Yeah. Um, it looks like he, he got distracted. Um, I think someone mentioned uh, about the fact that he, he kind of almost looked up at the board or the big screen mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I don't know if it's, you know, if it's just uh, instinct or he's just had his eye off the ball and he's just thought, oh, let's have a look at the big screen while I'm going around this corner and he's just binned it. Um, Someone made the comment um, that he might have been looking to see how far Miller was behind him. Yeah, that's true. But but why wouldn't uh, you just wait? Your pit board's going to be coming up. Two more corners and the pit board. It's, it's, oh. oh. Sorry, I'm watching the football while we're recording and I think that's a penalty (laughs) to Burnley. Um... (laughs) Yeah, it is I think that's a penalty. Anyway, yeah. Um, but I, I think wasn't Mir on the same tire compounds as Banyaya, and they fell off pretty much in the same spot as well. Um, I do. Can you check that? Are you able? To? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me look it up. I'm, I'm oh, pretty sure Mir was on the same compounds as as Banyaya, and and they fell out and fell off in the same corner. So there must, there must, there must have been something about that corner. And they must have, I reckon they've had the same incident where they've they've just switched off for a second and they've both binned it. Um, because Mia was looking good. Mia had a bit, a bit of pace and he would have been frustrated that he's fallen off because that would have been a good result. But Suzuki needed a result, you know, this weekend. They needed something. And uh, I, that's why I took them both out on the fantasy team because I thought this was going to be a terrible weekend from both. Aww. And I was right. So, yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, with Banyera, I don't know. He's just rattled, I guess. I guess being so, passed by a possible future teammate, it, it's never good, is it? <laughs> so Banyaya was on the medium front soft rear. Mir was on the medium front soft rear. Okay, yeah. So Which, that might have was... play, but there was a few. There was others as well on it. I well, don't the... think it was just them two, but it, I just found it a bit kind of maybe more than a coincidence that the both fell off in that the same corner. The the top three, Bashanini was on medium front soft rear. Miller was on a soft front soft rear. Alesh was on a medium front soft rear which this was something I heard about was Miller was saying with the medium front, he didn't have the feeling in the front end that he got with the soft, which is why he switched. Mm. Uh, it looks like everyone else was. Yeah. Uh, Quattro medium soft. Uh, Marquez medium soft. Zarco was a soft, soft. Nakagami medium soft. Bender hard, soft. Oh, or it been there. He has to do everything differently, doesn't he? But, but there's been issues with the KTM where they don't have front-end feeling, which is why, and I'm I'm scrolling down to see what the rest of the KTMs were on. Oliveira, hard-soft. Raul, medium-soft. Remy, hard-soft. But yeah, there's been front-end issues with the KTM, and they can't figure that one out, which is why... Most races, if you look, they're on the hard front. Mm, on the crushing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. KTM, this race, I, I was so just disappointed. Yeah, you've got Remy and Ra uh, Raul finishing 23rd, 22nd, 23rd. Miguel, 17th. You know, and Bender continues to just be oh wait a minute no i was looking at the wrong list damn it <laughs> i mean it's uh, yeah, yeah. Ra raul and remy crash no yeah miguel raul and remy all crashed then it was the only ktm left it's a scary thought this and i hope it doesn't happen but and i hope it's not no one's thinking about it uh in ktm's camp but if they keep going on with this kind of form through this season and say next season, and Suzuki managed to get some kind of favourable deal, where they don't really they're not paying all that much to leave MotoGP. KTM might be tempted to think, well, you know, we're not doing well. We're we're sinking money into this project, and we've won nothing since twenty. Apart from the old race win here and there, and in like bizarre conditions, we're not we're not going anywhere. We could get out on the cheap here, and like focus on other things. I don't know. Um, I... I'm just that's just a, a crazy thought I had. But I'm thinking KTM are just they're just not performing. They they are not where they should be. They've lost the concessions. They are and they're really struggling. It seems really struggling. And it's not just this season. Last season was pretty much a similar story. I don't think they would. I think they because. If they were to leave MotoGP at this point, you're going to lose so many riders in the lower uh, categories mm. in Moto2, Moto3, because they're going to, like, you got um, 
Acosta and Augusto Fernandez. Like, they're going to be like, well, where do I go after this? Like, yeah, I'm going to Red Bull, uh, you know, Red Bull KTM, uh, you know, well, what's after this? What am I really like? If KTM were to stay in the other series, because you figure there are Moto 2, half the grid in Moto 3 is KTM products. Yeah, they've got a lot of invest, but that's what I mean. They've got a lot of investment into it. Mm-hmm. But what what are they getting in return at the moment? Right. You know, the last couple of years, the last yeah, the last couple of years, there's nothing. In fact, they're doing worse this year so far than last season. Really, realistically, I know last season they had a little, they had that moment with Oliveira when it looked like they'd figured things out, and he. Did he, he won a race, did he? And he got a second or something like that. And it you were like, here we go, KTM's on the back in back in, back in business. And then of course you had Binder doing what Binder does best in like a kind of but that was like a bizarre race, wasn't it? That's not really something that just right. happens every every race. Um so I don't know. I, I I don't think it will happen. I'm only like I'm literally pulling stuff from thin air here, but I'm just thinking if if this season's a write-off and next season is, is just a write-off as well and, and it, it comes to light or it's known that Suzuki got quite a decent... got off with it lightly in terms of payment-wise, you know, KTM might think to themselves, well, there's an easy way out. You know, there there's a way for us to get out of MotoGP cheaply because mm-hmm. everyone's everyone's expecting Suzuki to be, be fined almost a lot of money. You know, MotoGP are not going to, or Dorna are not going to make it easy for Suzuki to leave because they know if they did make it easy and just said, all right, well, see you later, then nah, you don't have to pay us anything. Goodbye. Other other manufacturers might think, oh, well, if if Suzuki didn't have to pay to leave, then we're not going to have to pay to leave. That's how they right. see it. But um, it, it's more that that just came up in my head due to the, the form at the moment because it's just not working out, is it? At the moment, they're really struggling. That's why maybe bringing in a Jack Miller might do them good because they've got someone who can help develop a bike and someone who's a, a team player that we've seen it. What Jack Miller can do as a team player last season when he was supporting Pekka Banyaya and he's doing a good job. I mean, it, it, at Limon, you saw him. He didn't fight Banyaya, did he? When Banyaya passed him for the lead, he didn't fight him and think, "No, I want that place back." He just accepted it and he was like, "Right." I'm I'm Banyaya's rear gunner now, basically, um, which is a bit bit awkward when you've got Bastianini coming up behind you. But maybe KTM are thinking, right, yeah, let's get Jack Miller in, and we've got someone who could beat, arguably could beat Brad Binder in a fair fight, but at the same time also play the team role in, in races where Brad Binder's faster. So it, it's a good long-term strategy off for next season. It's actually a good idea, I think, for them to get Jack Miller in. Mm-hmm. On a bit of a tangent there, but <laughs> yeah, it's without getting into the silly season stuff because I think we could just go on for days mm. about that. Um, Aleish being on the podium, I was so happy for him because I think this was like his third podium in a row, and yeah. I'm really like. I'm a type of person where I don't root for singular like athletes or riders. I pick a team and I stick with the team. Like, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a West Ham fan. I, if Declan Rice 
leaves in the offseason, I'm not going to give two shits about where like him after this. Still trying to figure out where you got West Ham from, but <laughs> there's a whole we could go. That's a whole podcast in itself. Uh, but I'm slowly becoming an Alicia Spargaro fan. Mm. Just like his whole demeanor, you know, he's a family man. He's got two kids. You know, he he's the type of person he he's not looking to just go bounce from seat to seat trying to find the best ride. He went to Aprilia. He's like, I, this, I, this is my project. And he's finally coming, finally, you know, seeing the fruits of his labor, so to speak. Well, it's, it's hard that work and persistence paying off that blood, sweat and tears he's putting for years with Aprilia. You know, it, it it's paying off and he's, he's the front runner. He, he's reaping the rewards, you know, he's, He's beat every every uh, teammate he's he's been given. He's he's wiped the floor with them really, um, mm-hmm. including Vinales. Um, so it it's nice that he's like I said reaping the rewards of this improved Aprilia because it would have been quite rubbish to see someone come in this season and steal the limelight. You know, if if Vinales was some, I mean, I I never really put much money on it, but. If Inyales was the one performing and was the one who was doing what Aleish is doing now, it'd be quite... You'd almost think this would be the last season for Aleish because he'd think to himself, well, you know, the, the bike's finally performing, but it's not really the performing for me, so to speak. It's performing for my teammate, and I've been the one who's kind of put all the put all the hours into this and put all of kind of my, um, you know, knowledge and experience and expertise into help develop. So you know what? It's um it's so good to see him in this position. He he's a true title contender, that Aprilia is. It's he's got the he he's got the um the consistency. And we've always I think we've always known he's been a good rider. He's just never really had the bike under him to to prove it over a season. You know, mm-hmm. and he's doing that now. He's he's proving it. And of course, it remains to be seen what's going on with the contract saga there. And I'd put it'd be silly if if he's deciding, look, I want to stay on for another season or two. It'd be silly for a pillar to be like, nah, we're not bothered anymore. We've got to cheers for getting this bike to a certain level, but we don't need you anymore. It'd be silly for them to do that. I don't know if you saw the little video where <laughs> yeah. did you see that? That was brilliant. Yeah, yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, there was a whole. It was a castrol. Uh, motor oil thing. So they had Alpine or Alpine F1 team there, and they had the Aprilia team at its uh, Fernando Alonso's personal racetrack. Isn't uh, LCR Honda Castro? Well, um, Alex Marquez's bike is Castro, but the other bike is Itamitsu. Okay. Okay. So I don't know if there was like a thing where it's like, well, you can't really have Alex because he's you know the other team or what the other bike is, but um, yeah, they had uh, Esteban Ocon, Fernando Alonso, Aleish, and Maverick Vinales at Alonso's personal track, and they were, I think Maverick drove a goat cart around with Esteban and it, but um, Aleish was riding around with 
Fernando Alonso on a motorbike, but they did a thing where Alicia's sitting on this little p- pocket bike and a guy comes over and you know has a tablet and asks him like to sign a contract. Alicia's like no and gives it away, gets off the bike and walks away. And Fernando Alonso comes up, sits on the bike, signs the contract, like gets in race position. But yeah, Alonso. it was pretty funny. Alonso to officially <laughs> confirmed. Yeah. But he's got, well, he's got the height and stature for it, hasn't he? Like he's mm-hmm. he's the height and stature of a MotoGP rider. Right. Whereas, because if you notice, F1 drivers are all naturally a lot a lot taller. Yeah. And MotoGP riders are all naturally a lot shorter. They're a little shorter. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, Danny Pedrosa, bloody hell, like five foot four or something. But yeah. So it, actually, in terms of stature and height, it, it would make total sense for Alonso to be a, a motorbike rider. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. That was a little, that was a cool thing. I'm still, they haven't released the full video. It was just like, they had pictures and like that little video clip. They still haven't released like the full fledged oh, video. The funny thing is that I, I I found that through that uh, uh, everything motor racing. They posted like a little article, but I right. thought it was genuine. Like the the article, it was like <laughs> not not genuine because I didn't know it was Alonzo, but I thought it was genuine. Like that, that there was some secret footage where he he'd like been like nah get rid of this contract i'm not interested and they, and it was a uh, spaniard for a spaniard so i thought oh bloody hell it could be me or rins they're replacing him with and then when i watched the video and it was when i saw alonzo come along i, was like, oh, I will say I that that race suit that alonzo had on that was pretty cool really good it was, yeah. it was like alpine but it also had like all the different sponsors yeah. on it that was a cool leather he had on did you it that was the whole um you know my reaction, what I went through there. That was that meme that they had us in the first half. Not gonna lie, that's the yeah. That's definitely the what summed it up there. But no, it's interesting that. And going back to Alicia, yeah, he's uh, he's he's doing well. You know whether he'll con- continue past this season remains to be seen. But if he wants to, then I think Aprilia would be very very silly to to kind of yeah. at this rate him, replace him. It like. And it's not like Mavericks come in and has set this like set the paddock on fire or anything. Like he's not performing that well. You look at yeah this race, and he finished tenth, twenty one wow. seconds off the lead. He's so he, he is would, totally oh, he yeah. is not going to be in Aprilia next season. He, he no. just spits his dummy out. If he gets on a bike and it doesn't suit his style straight away, he just spits his dummy out, and that's it. He just yeah. goes in a sulk, and that's that's him done. We, I think that'll be him. He'll he'll retire at the end of the season because I can't see any other my bike manufacturer wanting him. Really, there's he, no room for him anywhere. Well, the I think the only thing he could do because doesn't his dad or something own a team in World Superbike? Well, yeah, yeah, he could go to World Superbike, but I think this is his last season in MotoGP. Personally, yeah i I don't see him making it in MotoGP after this season. Between the blow-up he had at Yamaha, now he goes to Aprilia, and Aprilia welcomed him. Like, they showed it in the Unlimited series. They welcomed him with open arms. And he's basically, he's, you know, tried to get a hold of the bike. He can't get it. Now he's making comments about, you know, leaving after this season. I I think after this, he won't, like, nobody else in MotoGP is going to take a, Take him, like nobody worst else is going to want him after all the. Yeah, worst timing for them kind of comments, isn't it? 
Like, yeah, I'm, especially I'm with... elsewhere in the grid, and then Suzuki, like, oh, we're leaving now, so here's Rins and Mia, free agents. Yeah. <laughs> so, Aprilia, like, yeah, you look elsewhere because we'd rather have one of them too. <laughs> right. Uh, so, I, I, I've, and explore. Well, I was going to say, I think if Aleish wins the MotoGP championship, we still have a lot of races, but, you know, he's in second place right now. If he were to win, Aprilia would be the dumbest manufacturer ever if they let him go. The only way that they would get away with it is if he did the Nico Rosberg thing. It was like, I retire. I won the championship. I can't do this anymore. I want to go. If he wins the championship, I think he'll pull Rosberg and retire. And that'll be the only way Aprilia could get away with letting him go. But if he doesn't win the championship and it's like, I want to try this another year. I think we could do it next year. If a pro year were to be like, like, I think if he says, I want to do another year, a pro year has to be like, okay, here's the check. Have a nice oh, day. Yeah, 100%. I think, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. I think personally, if he pulls it off and wins a championship, it'll be a fairy tale. But also, that'll be him. There'll, there'll be no real reason and need for him to continue anymore. He'll have, no. the, he'll have the bonus, he'll have the money. He's into he's into his cycling. You could argue he's probably into his cycling more than his motorcycling. To be fair, right. he loves it. He'll take he'll take the cash. He'll take the money and run. He's a world champion. He's achieved his dream. He's done it with Aprilia. You know, he'll forever be a legend of Aprilia. They'll probably have a statue of him outside the the headquarters. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. he'll go and, and he'll go and focus on road racing on um on push bikes. That's what he'll do. And then Aprilia right. will be like, well, let's get in um. Well, at that point, obviously, then yeah, the only problem is it's last minute, in it. It's all a bit like bloody hell. Well, who do we get? It's um, right. I don't know that maybe I can imagine Alish has maybe had that conversation with the powers that be at Aprilia, being like, just to let you know, heads up. You know, don't want to jinx anything or anything, but if I do, if we do pull this off, and you know, I win the championship, I'm done. I'm gone at the end. So keep that in mind. You know, they might say that to Aprilia. Keep that in mind. But then you could see, and that, that's where you could see a, a late call-up for Aaron Carinet or something like that to get a seat in Aprilia. Because let's say they replace Vinales, they go, right, Vinales, you're out, and we'll get, for argument's sake, Rins in. Rins in Aprilia. Then uh, and that, that's announced halfway f- like later on, and then uh, Aleish wins a championship and decides, I'm done, I'm out. Thank you very much, see you later. Then they could be like, bloody hell, right. Joe Roberts. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. Anyone, someone like that? Yeah, Joe Roberts. Oh, do you want right now? Well, no, you turned well, us they, down. Oh. Yeah, they offered him a seat, and he turned it down yeah, to yeah. Samoa too. And it's like, but I, I feel like at this point, if they were to win the Riders Championship, they'd be like, they, they're not going to be like, so Joe, do you want to try this again? It'd be like Joe Roberts would be going up and be like, uh, excuse me, can can we talk about that contract again? I I kind of like that now that I think about it. Yeah, now we've got a good bike. I'm fancying it. No, I yeah. Think by, at that point, there could be like, depending on how Canet does the rest of this season, they could turn on to Canet and say, hey, do you want to do want a factory ride? But then obviously we'll get down the rabbit hole again of what if Aprilia get the RNF become Aprilia and all that rubbish. So yeah, that's that's just just becomes it, it grows legs and arms and everything. So yeah. but that that that's kind of Aprilia and Alesh covered in long detail. Um but yeah. Fabio as well, if you want to move on to mm-hmm. kind of Fabio, I mean 
Zarko and Fabio, fourth and fifth for Fabio, fourth, Zarko, fifth. Okay, for the French, I mean, obviously, the, I want, they would have wanted a one-two, but, I mean, a fourth and a fifth ain't too bad. Um, right. Uh, but, uh, of course, Bono was a bit, was kind of railing, really, at that top speed. I think he's finally sick of it, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Isn't he, Bono? He's finally sick of the fact that the you could see they just start, they do, do not have a straight line speed like the no. like the Ducatis and the Prillies and and the rest of them, and it it's starting to frustrate a lot of people. I think in and the Yamaha camp. Look at where the other Yamahas finished: Morbidelli fifteenth, exactly. Davizioso sixteenth, yeah. Binder seventeenth. Those are the last three bikes of the bikes that were still running at the end of the race. Everyone else had crashed out, so. The bottom three are all Yamahas. And this the Yamaha is turning into the Honda of, what was it, 2018, 2019? Where, like, Mark was finishing high and all the other Hondas were down towards the bottom. Yeah. Like, it, Fabio um, is the only person who can handle the Yamaha right now. Yamaha have got a lot of decisions to make coming up. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like we said, yeah. Fabio's riding the the bloody the whatever off that uh Yamaha. He's he's getting the max possible out of that bike. And mm-hmm. you know, some days that's good enough. As we saw in Portimo, it was good enough. As we saw in um as we saw in Jerez, it was well, it was nearly good enough in Jerez. You know, some days it it, it does it it's up there, but they need that straight line speed. It is lead in the championship would be a lot bigger if they just had an extra bloody five mile per hour on the straight, you know? It's um it's crazy. It's it something needs to change and, and Fabio's not really bothered about who his teammate's gonna be because I think he's happy with just focusing on himself and focusing on on the task at hand, which is fair enough. Um mm-hmm. but they need to get someone in. I mean unfortunately Marby Delhi's not cutting it and I think he's got a two year contract though, hasn't he? So I'm pretty sure he's got yeah. next season. So how do they work that out? You know, do the if Dovi retires, if they keep if they do keep R and F for next season and Dovi or Dovi looks like he's gonna retire, they could just say Morbidelli look sorry, but you're moving down to R and F next season. Pay him a bit right. of money, give him a bit of money as a payoff, move him down. Um maybe to save a bit of money they could keep Darren Binder for another season because I'm sure he'd he'd take He'd take a a pay cut or or he'd take quite a, a you know a low sum to stay in MotoGP for another season, and then they could slot in next to Fabio. They might slot in Rins. They might say, "Look, Rins, we we'll have you." Or or bloody Mia, Mia could go into there. Or they might give Fernandez a go on the factory one, which sounds bizarre, but you know they might say, "Actually, Fernandez, let's give you a go." Or Oliveira's become if he becomes a free agent. Now we're going down the rabbit hole again. It's just. It's making me go. It's gonna making me go dizzy. Uh, but yeah, it's they've got a lot of problems. You know, Yamaha. Mm-hmm. The, you can't have just one ride. You can't rely on one, one rider. We saw it with Honda. They right. relied on Mark Marquez. He crashes out. He has an injury. He's out for a season. Everything went to shit at, at Honda. Yep. You can't. I know. We know that Fabio never crashes. He's one of the. You know, he's one of the ones that literally. It seems like gravity does not affect him, but. You can't just put all your eggs in that basket because if he has a bad fall and he's out for a few a few months or a season, Yamaha are nowhere. They're absolutely right. nowhere. They're gone. They're done. 
from the team's championship, they're done from from everyone, anyone or everyone's mind for every race because they're all just going to be languishing at the back. So right. really, for next season, they need to pull the finger out, and I'm sure they are pulling the finger out, and they've probably got things in place because, you know, Fabio Cat is carrying that team at the moment, and it must be it must be hurting his back and his legs, and his shoulders yeah. from from that. Yeah. Speaking of uh, carrying a team, uh, we talked a little bit about it earlier. Uh, Bender carrying KTM. And I just want to point this out because he ran into the back of Zarco. And I want to say it was like the first lap was missing one of the winglets off the front of the bike. Oh, yeah. And you look back a few races ago, same thing happened to Remy Gardner. And he said that bike was unrideable. That mm. you would go into certain corners and it was like the bike was just unright, like you couldn't handle it anymore. Bender manages to get eighth place out of this with one winglet. If Brad Bender was able to just become Mister Saturday as well as a Mister Sunday, mm-hmm. he'd be uh, he'd be so much higher up. Oh yeah, the, in the in the the um the classifieds at the end of the race on the Sunday, he really would because he can he can ride. He's, there's so much talent in that kid; it's unbelievable. But he's got yeah. a bit of a a dog bike under him, and for some reason on a Saturday he's just not asked. So it's like, um, it yeah. To, and to to finish eighth with, you know, a winglet missing on bikes that are so that the most sensitive they've ever been to downforce and and aerodynamically is some achievement. And you got to wonder. Could he have finished seventh? Could he be on? Could he be on Marquez's tail if he had a winglet? Sounds ridiculous, but maybe we just we don't know, do we? How how much they affect the stability right. of the bike? So, um, yeah, it's uh, fair play to Brad Bender, and I, I was one of them that questioned why they'd extended his contract, but actually, it's. It's a good idea, and you could you could ask yeah. why haven't why did they extend it so little? Why have they not extended it further? Yeah. So um, right. you could go the other way with it now, but um, yeah, it's uh, it yeah, Brad Bender is a solid job. He, he again, he is just as Fabio is the beacon of Yamaha, and and Marcus is the beacon of Honda Repsol. Brad Bender is the beacon of of hope for KTM. Mm-hmm. So you've got like three teams that have like a one, well, four teams. That have like a beacon of hope. Um, it's interesting, but of course, if you want to talk about quickly, Mark Marquez um, and the Honda Repsols. Yeah, um, I mean, you got Mark finishing sixth. Right behind him is Nakagami, only what one point five seconds back. So, not a good race for Nakagami. Uh, you got Paul finishing 11th. I'm Paul's done at this point. He has, and there were reports that Paul's already been told that he's out for next season. And Paul, you know, of course, is going to say, though, well, those are just rumors. None of it's true. He is not doing well. And I think if he is, if he's out of Repsol Honda, his only hope is to go back to KTM. Yeah, no, that's but that's literally it. Is is he going? Would he go back to the factory team, or is he going to be sent back to Tech Three? You know, it, depends on what you want to stay in MotoGP. I mean, again, right? 
if Miller, I mean, who would you choose if you KTM? Would you go with Miller or would you go with Paul? That's a tough choice. In factory team, I'm. I'd rather take Miller. Yeah, I think I'd I mean, be with you. If, you know, Miller's at least can when he finishes a race, he's finishing towards the top. Is is that because he's so used to the Ducati? He's been on a Ducati the past how many seasons? You know, he was with Pramac and then with the uh, factory team. So, does that have something to do with his high place? You know, finishing high in the uh, at the end of races, maybe. But you know, like Bono always says, MotoGP is seventy five percent rider, twenty five percent bike. So you have to look at the rider, and I would rather have Miller. Yeah, when Paul was with KTM, what, I think he came got a podium at uh, Red Bull Ring, the race that Oliveira like blitzed them at the end. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's not looking good for Paul. No, there's not really there doesn't look like there's any space for him to be demoted because nope, uh, it admits who's looking like that's Agora's and I mean Alex Marquez are the we mark he's a Marquez. Are they really going to get rid of him? I don't right. think so. I, I don't think so. I think as oh. long as Mark, as long as Mark is still in the paddock, Alex will be there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I I agree with that. Um, unless he's happy to take a, um, I'm trying to think. There's not really anywhere. For, there really isn't. There's nothing. No. If, if Honda think right, we're having Mia. Then that's that is that is it. That's that's Paul's race run, really. Right. The only the only hope um hope for Paul is that you know Yamaha fancy Mia or Aprilia go for Mia because then you, right. you could argue that Paul would be safe because I don't think Rins would maybe fit on that Repsol. Um. So you know that th- that's it. But if if it's looking like Mia's going to Repsol. Then that's it for Paul. I can't unless it goes you go down the rabbit hole again of Aprilia having that second team, maybe they think, Oh, Paul, come on then, jump on this Aprilia, but you're gonna be on you know, you're gonna be on a satellite Aprilia, you won't be on a factory one. Right. Or unless you have uh, I don't know, unless you bloody unless Paul goes unless Paul goes to the factory Aprilia alongside his brother, that'd be interesting, wouldn't it? That'd be one maybe. hell of a, a line up next season. That'd be that'd be I'd have, I'd be happy with that. I'm I'm manifesting that to happen now. A little bit yeah. of um, the Aspargaros sparring with each other on Aprilia. That'd be quite good. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it's not looking good. And I'd, I'd be quite interested to see how Mia handles the Repsol Honda next season. That would be very interesting if he did go to it. So, right. um, yeah. Yeah, shout out uh, to Marini, finishing ninth place. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a well-needed result for Marini, isn't it? Massive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shout out to DG Antonio for finishing in 13th place. I think that's his first his first points finish. Yeah, it was his first points finish of the season. Mm. So uh looking real quick, the rookie of the year uh standings, we still have Bedzeki in first on 19 points, Darren Bender on six points, uh DG on three points, and Remy Gardner on three points. So, I'm pretty sure this is Bedzeki's to lose. <laughs> like, you're 13 points clear of second place. 
and yeah, and, and, and unless you, you don't, they're not really picking up big points, are they? Each race, so a nope. thirteen points, quite a big, quite a big gap to have at right. that level. But uh, who do you got for rider of the day? Oh, uh, I think out of the three classes, this is probably the toughest. Uh, oh, I know really. my. I, I'll I'll give you mine because I have a clear winner for my rider of the day. It's Brad Bender. Yeah, two. I had a feeling. Well, because of the whole winglet thing, and like I said, last a couple weeks ago, we heard Remy in the same situation saying how the bike was unrideable. For for him to finish eighth place, missing a bike that, like you said, is so reliant on aerodynamics now, they, like you got to give it to him. It's yeah, I, I, you know, it's good performance. He's, uh, we know he can perform on a Sunday. He don't even need his winglets anymore. We might as well not bother with them yeah. on the next weekend, <laughs> and he'd still put it in the top ten. Um, for me, it's really tough to decide because I I don't really have ah probably a leash. I'll go a leash. Yeah. Simply because of his form and his consistency at the moment, he's just he's just banging away. He's just bagging them them top three finishes, them top four finishes, and all he has to do is keep doing that every race, mm-hmm. and he's he's well on his way to a championship. Um, yeah. You know the stars are kind of starting to align. For for Alish, I think this season definitely. So um, yeah, I'll give my rider of the day to Alish. Yeah, looking at the uh, championship standings, first place we have Fabio Quattararo on 102 points, Alicia Spargo second on 98, and Anaya Bashanini is on third on 94. From there, it drops to Rins with 69 points. The free horse race, in it? Yeah, it really is. It's like that top uh, three, and it's you figure in though because. Rins is on sixty nine, but mm-hmm. what a could have should us. But if he did, you know, he he probably could have finished in the top five this race. I reckon. Yep. And that would have been a good haul of points, but you know, um, yeah, Suzuki's race is run in this season already because there's yeah. no way unless there's no way they're sending upgrades to that bike. They're not going to keep developing no. it. Anything obviously that was already in the pipeline. Probably will be they'll finalized and finished. Yeah, they'll, they'll bring that in, but everything else from from the announcement onwards is gone. So. Yeah, they're not they're not bringing any like yeah. major upgrades or anything like that. And it's really showing because like we didn't even talk about Suzuki in this race. They both crashed out. It is, yeah. It was, I mean, uh, the only the only good thing is Rins didn't take out like half the field like he could have. He, he went off. Oh well, yeah, yeah. He, he went off in turn one, and um, there was a video uh, post-race of the podium finishers right before they went out onto the podium, and Miller said he watched Rins go off, and that he tried to slow it down the best he could, and it was just at the end, the when, when he transitioned from gravel to pavement, the back end of the bike compressed too much and it just kicked the bike out from under him. Mm. But, you know, they said he tried to slow down as best he could um, so that he didn't cla- you know, crash into anybody. But even even if he would have made it, because Zarko, we saw the same incident happen 
earlier in the weekend with Zarco, where he came through turn one, couldn't make that first corner, and then just rode through the gravel trap and came out at turn four. You know, yeah, if... the, the, the gravel's a sticking point. It's always been it's an issue, isn't it, for for that for that track? There's just not mm-hmm. really much you can do about it. The no, can't, you can't, can't tarmac it. Um, no, because of the speeds going into the barriers would be horrendous. Um, you can't alter it because it's well, it's fine for cars, really, isn't it? And they're the main, right. the main, and that's the main and that's the thing. Draw. The biggest race of the year is yeah. at Le Mans, and it's a car race. And no, yeah, you know, most the fact that bikes come here is an afterthought. Yeah, it really is. The only thing you could maybe do is add a bit more tarmac, but keep the gravel. You know, see if there's a way to get rid of some of the gravel and put a bit of tarmac in, but I don't know if that would really help much. So um, uh, you're probably just getting the worst of both worlds with that situation. So I think it's just one of them you're just going to have to grin and bear it, really. It's kind yeah. of a... Yeah, the best you can do is if you get in that gravel, just rear brake, downshift as fast as you can to try to slow the bike down. Because if you mm. grab the front brake, you're going to wash out the front oh, and the yeah, gravel. Yeah, yeah. So all you can really do, to, yeah, rear brake, downshift quick, and hope for the best. It, it mm. was, and like we said, we saw Zarco do the same thing. He came out perfectly fine. He just, you know, it, there was a little bunny hop as he went back onto the pavement, yeah. and he was fine. It was just the way Rins came out of the gravel, the back end compressed and it went out from under him. If he would have, like stayed on it he would have had to like slow down drastically because i think he whenever he came out he came out ahead of the leaders yeah yeah he would have had to anyway so yeah Yeah. he would have had to slow down and slot back in where he was where he was at that point but Mm. yeah so moving on to moto gp fantasy For this week's race, we have a top three of Ratio 88 in first. Second place is Evans Longshot. And third place is G-Dub, which I'm pretty sure is Greg White from the Greg's White podcast and the commentator for Moto America. So, Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, because I sent him an invite before the season started, and he he said he joined, and I'm pretty sure that's his what his handle is. Um, so those are your winners for the or your top three for this race. Overall top three, we have in first place Tiger Motorsports, which is Josh. Uh, Evans Longshot is in second place, and Wally87 in third place. So, Josh is you know, going strong for us. He's on 724.5 points. Evans Longshot is on 670.5, and Wally87 is on 668.5. Are um, you... um? I'm assuming, have you got a KTM rider in your squad? Do you have to have a representative? <laughs> I've won. Uh, well, um, I've been there. Yes. Um, I I am in 50th place, and Bono <laughs> is in 60th place. We have I, I 78 think, people in the... Uh, I don't think Bono's changed it since, like, America or something like that. I don't think he's... No, he did, because we talked about this. And oh, he really? said... He was going to make some changes. I have to find him, though, because this only loads 10 people at a time. Um, but yeah, he said he was going to make some changes, but I'm, I, and I looked at this earlier. I'm pretty sure his changes 
weren't that great. Oh, he's in 63rd place. My bad. Um, the West. But he, he had, <laughs> as his gold, he had Banyaya, Marquez, and Ducati. And his oh. silver riders were Martin and Bedzeki. Oh. Someone yeah. who's so knowledgeable, he don't have to make a shit fantasy team every every oh, it, race weekend. I know why he does it, because he doesn't want to jinx having Fabio in his team. Yeah. That's the thing. Or Alish, he probably doesn't want to jinx having. So he has everyone in his team that he's not really that fussed about. Um, I had the opposite. So my my gold riders were Fabio and Alish, and my silvers were Miller and Bastianini. Mm-hmm. So... I got a good haul, but could have been better, but I'm happy with it. Well, I'm happy. For the French GP, I had Aleish and Bastianini, no, Aleish and Benyaya as my gold riders. Yamaha is my manufacturer. And then my silvers were Bastianini and Marquez. <laughs> so, yeah, whenever Benyaya went out, I was pretty pissed about that. And yeah, then, because I, I knew. I knew I had him as my gold rider and he was doing so well, broke the track record. You know, all this stuff was on pole position. I'm like, yes, this is going to be great. And he falls on like you bastard. I'm starting to, um, I'm starting to feel like I might not do it next season <laughs> just because I'm, I'm getting too involved with who I want to do well and not do well. Like, you know, and who I want to crash, well, not crash, but who I want to like struggle. You know, you're going to, you're gonna Alicia Spargo, and if he wins the championship, be like, "I win the championship, I'm done." It's it's like a yeah, basically, I could do that. It, it's like if Suzuki were in second and third, but I had like Fabio as my my Motul V2 rider. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, "Oh God, I don't want the Suzuki to pass, but I do." <laughs> so yeah, I um yeah, Magello's the next race. I've already made my two trades for the week. Um, I. Traded out Mark Marquez and brought in Brad Binder. Why are you trading before seeing practice? I don't know. I start looking at points and I'm like, is well, this why you're so low down because you've got to wait until the practices have been done because that's when you get a good, good well, pair of booze. So I look at a couple things. I look at the total points that they've earned this season. Hmm. And if they earn higher points, then that means they've done better in qualifying and the race. And then I also look, I also look at like last year's race. And I'm what? go like I'm hoping that the KTM has a race like they did last year at Mugello, because I'm pretty sure that was when. No, Oliver didn't win that one, but he broke the track record or he broke the speed record. Mm, no, he tied. So. He tied oh, the no, speed record. Tied. 225, yes. I think. Yeah, Zarco broke it at Qatar, and then uh, Miguel tied it in um, Magello. But the nice thing is, if I don't want, like, if I want to, I can cancel these trades. It'll oh, reset yeah, my yeah, team to how I had it, and then I can go from there. That's good, then. Decent. Yeah. Yeah, because if I just yeah, if I hit the like, I just clicked on uh, the like my manufacturer. I switched it to Aprilia. So Aprilia has actually been getting better points, you know, than other teams. But if I click to take them out, it says, um, "Are you sure you want to cancel your trade?" And it shows me Aprilia, Yamaha, Bender, Marquez, and then I can just yes, reverse this trade. I get my two trades back, 
and then I can change them again. Which now that now that you've got in my head, mm. I'm going to reverse it. I'm still gonna make. I'm still gonna switch a pro ya. No, see, I don't even know if I should do that. You gotta wait. Just wait. Yeah, Have patience. Yeah, I'll just keep Yamaha for now. Yeah, because you look at like, like I said, I look at total points for the season, and Yamaha's on 135.5, which is second to Ducati at 217. But that's because they're eight Ducatis. Yeah, yeah, you've got numbers on your side with them. Yeah, you look at the last three races, they've got a second place, a first place, and a first place. So, Yamaha has a first, a second, and a fourth, which being that Fabio's on a Yamaha, if Fabio wins, you get more points, which mm. is why they're second. Um, yeah, you look at, like, like looking at riders, and I wish there was a way, and you're not able to sort them, which I don't like on this site. Yeah. Like you can't sort certain categories. The only thing you can sort another is thing I don't, another thing I don't like about it is I'm pretty sure if you you can't you have two trades, you can't get mm-hmm. rid of both trades at the same time. You have to pick one. Right. You have you to trade I mean. one thing for another and then pick it. You have then... to take one thing off your team, pick another. Yeah. And then you can do your second trade. You can't yeah, just drop some things off your team. Yeah, that's infuriating. Yeah, because it's like there's so many times I'm like, if I could take my manufacturer off and a rider, I could get a better rider, go for a lower manufacturer, and have a better team that way. Hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're not able to sort anything. So like looking at the it's and it's always by the finishing order of the last race, or that no, it's the points total for the last race. Yeah. But yeah, you've got like uh, Bashanini's on 162 points, Alesha 155, Fabio's on 170. But uh, yeah, that's what I look at. I, I don't look at um, like past race because one race could, you know, th- there could be a whole number of reasons why a brighter did better in one race than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I start looking at totals and I see, okay, the higher totals indicates better performances overall. Like Brad Bender's on 133 points as opposed to Marquez's, and this is why I made this trade, Marquez has 96 total points for the season. Yeah. So if I were to, if I would have had Brad Bender in my team instead of Marquez over the last few races, I'd be higher up than I, w- I am now. And that's because... Bender is more consistent, has been more consistent this season than Marquez has. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll wait and, you know, see how it, uh, the problem is though, I forget that the cutoff is free practice four. Yeah. So that'll do it for this episode. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Red Sector GP. You can follow myself on all social medias at Matt Polanski one and Twitch at GameStopper0734. Please be sure to follow Josh at Red Sector Josh on Twitter. You can follow Bono on Twitter at BonoGP underscore and Instagram at BonoGP. Please be sure to leave us a five-star rating review on your app podcast listening app of choice. It really does help get our name out there and yeah, help us get new listeners. That'll do it for today. And with that, keep the throttle pinned. Oh, <laughs>